You can listen to The Professional Left wherever you get your podcasts, on Netroots Radio, or on our website, proleftpod.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There's a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for May 6, 2022. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the Cornfield Resistance, where we are trying to make sure Republicans remain safe, legal, and rare. It's the professional left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. Hey, Blue Gal. We're in, this is take three. We've yeah. been having recording problems, so yep. uh, we're making our best effort, mm-hmm. and uh, we're here. The third take is the magic one, Blue Gal. Oh, is it? Oh, that's good. Yeah, the third take is going to be great. Oh, um, wonderful. I won't wonderful. get many, any more electrical shocks directly to my ear, which mm-hmm. is a little distracting, um, and it, we're going to sail through this. Um, easy. It's going to be 20 one minutes take, and drift out. Glass. Sure. One take, drift glass. Wonderful. And, and my first take is a famous quote that some of you might be familiar with. Um, and here's the quote about politics. Just because you do not take an interest in politics doesn't mean politics won't take an interest in you. And the fun part of this quote is not from anybody from Illinois. It's not from Barack Obama or Abraham Lincoln or Mike Royko or me or any of the other notable men of Illinois. It's from a Greek politician named Pericles who lived and died during the 5th century B.C. So my question for this week is, if 2,400 years ago they had this figured out, why is it that 2,400 years later so many Americans cannot get it through their heads that politics actually matters and that elections actually have consequences? Well, and I think one of the reasons that is, is that in a stable democracy, yeah, uh, stable democracies have built into them the uh, ability to withstand a critical mass of participants not participating. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is okay to check out if your democracy is stable and you're simply going through the motions of being concerned with getting to work and coming home and watching TV and you're done and that's your day. Sure. Uh, When a democracy is not stable or when you're bordering on a fascist dictatorship or a fascist uh, you know, millionaire autocracy, uh, then you have to pay attention all the time. And that's very stressful. Uh, We know this from having Trump for four years, the extent to which every day was white knuckling it Mm -hmm. as to what is this crazy person going to do? And now we have a Supreme Court that is completely illegitimate. Yeah, we do. And- And is governing from the minority and with with no regard for the economic or bodily autonomy of 51% of the population. And we have a disturbingly high percentage of people in this country mm-hmm. who apparently require Pearl Harbor to be bombed um, yeah. to realize that they're in trouble. Well, or even even then don't want to be, don't see that as a call to action. I right. I I have learned from you, Drift Glass, not to debate idiots on Twitter. I mean, I no, I really no. work not to do that. But uh, someone said something to the effect of, "Why don't we have a vote on this?" And I pointed out, if we had a vote on whether black people should have the vote in Alabama, it would lose. Right. 
And 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 you don't vote on people's rights. That is not how rights work. The number of conservatives that came back at me with, well, you know, voting is a right and abortion isn't. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and and claiming that I was making it up about Alabama when I lived there for 14 years and my husband was president of the Alabama ACLU and 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 and, and right. And and I could throw out and I didn't reply to anyone who was making these insane statements. I replied to myself, but pointing out that when the constitutional amendment to allow interracial marriage in Alabama, now the federal law with Loving versus Virginia, you know, superseded Alabama law when it pa- when it passed. Uh, but Alabama's constitution technically still contained a ban on interracial marriage until guess what year, Drift Glass? Two thousand one. Two thousand. Yep. No, I'm familiar with. I am familiar. With. Yeah, and uh-huh. and like all amendments to the Alabama Constitution, there had to be a statewide vote to change the Constitution of Alabama, mm-hmm. and over forty percent of the voters said no. Well, and we don't yeah. want interracial marriage. And remind people how big the Alabama Constitution is. Oh my gosh, it's the lar- longest constitution in the world. Mm-hmm. Because it, as it was written in 1902, it was written to perform two functions. One was to get keep property taxes low for plantations. Yes. And the second was to prevent black people from voting. Mm-hmm. And the way that they structured it was that every single amendment to that constitution had to be by statewide vote with a ballot initiative. You couldn't amend it in any other way. And there is in Alabama absolutely no home rule for local activity. So if you want to have badger hunting in your county, right. that requires has- a constitutional amendment in Alabama. You don't realize yeah, that. Every- but that everything has to the, be in the constitution. Every the single state thing. legislature is powerless. Yeah. And so well, and that is not on purpose. That is to keep taxes low for property owners. Do you know who the largest, when I left Alabama, who the largest landowner in Alabama was? Um, no. Purdue? Their Wall Street symbol is USX. Oh, God. United States Steel is the largest landowner in Alabama. Yeah. Well. And they just bought up land because they can. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, there's developments and there's the property management. We're seeing that now in Springfield, I know we're seeing this all over the country where investors have nowhere to dump their money and they're just buying up properties, buying up houses sight unseen and having property management companies run them to collect rents. And we just have absentee landlords all over the country who are millionaires and billionaires squeezing the housing market, squeezing everyone else out of the housing market. Well, and and the, the part about checking out of politics. Right. Um, right. Which is where we started. Yeah. I, you know, I don't have any hope at all for the you know what we call reprogrammable meat bags mm-hmm. on the right who just who just have there's no hope of re- reaching them. Oh, well, and I, that's why I didn't engage any of them. Right. Yeah, the, it's the people who are so horny, who are so desperate to continue to believe they live in a stable democracy, specifically so they don't have to get involved in politics 
They'll yeah. believe anyone who comes along. They reverse engineer it so that yeah. they don't have to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, yeah. They'll, they'll believe anyone who tells them, you know, both sides are equally bad and everything's yep. just, you know, kind of sucks. I'm a constitutional conservative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I mean the non-voting centrist, mm. oh, okay. both sidists, the assholes who still believe that meet the press is a news source. Is news, yes. The, yes. the people who've been told for as long as, even longer, for as long as Fox News has been taking a crap in the skulls of conservatives and hate radio has been taking a dump in the skulls of conservatives, you have a population of people who've been watching you know, the Sunday morning shows and reading the op-ed columns and believing that both sides are equally bad, that that politics is is far away from us, and that essentially the system will will take care of everything. Right. The system right. is fine. Now, you you told me a story once about when you were a young lady in Massachusetts, right? And right. you were looking I, for reassurance from um, from my dad, from my dad, dad about Rodney yeah. King. I Rodney King. The this is really the first time in history that a citizen was able to make a videotape of police brutality. Right. You know, we almost take that for granted today, mm -hmm. that everybody has a phone and everybody is taping police activity. In fact, we watched a show this week, We Own the City. Yes. Where one of the tropes of the show is no matter when the police make an arrest, there are 15 people surrounding them with their phones. And there is taking a woman across and there's a woman across the street taking a video of people making a video. Right. It was very meta. And, it's and a then good she show, catches, but she catches an edit that the right. others don't catch, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that's part of the sh of the theme of the show, the plot of the first episode. So, um, we take that for granted. But really, Rodney King was a video, citizen video of police brutality against Rodney King in Los Angeles. Uh -huh. That black people knew this was going on, mm -hmm. but the rest of America. Didn't and I didn't, didn't want, and I was didn't want to know didn't right. want to know well yeah I don't know whether I wanted to know or not I was under twenty five years old I was you know basically in graduate school in Massachusetts and didn't but wasn't aware of right that's fair enough just how brutal yeah. it was and blatant mm -hmm. that that these cops could just gang up multiple cops beat one person who was on the ground um so I called my dad and as I said I was in my young twenties. And I asked my dad, and I think I've told this story before, dad, I want to know that as a young white woman sitting here in Massachusetts in an apartment and safe and content, you know, am I doing enough? I want to make sure I'm doing enough to bring justice, not only to this situation, but to the whole system. I, I feel like I'm definitely not doing enough to help fix this. What can I do? And my dad's answer, trusting in the system, <laughs> was, uh, you know, Fran, that there are elected officials, there are judges, there's a court system, there's a legal system where he can sue, you know, that, that uh, get, and get damages, that, that in a case this blatant, where there's video evidence and so on and so forth, you know someone's going to do something. And you right. can trust that uh, in the United States of America, when there is such blatant evidence, uh, something will be done. And it is okay to, you know, not necessarily sit back, but trust that uh, your country is going to do something about it. Sure. And then we know what happened, right? Exactly. We, exactly. we know the cops got off. 
Well, and no, there was a riot and looting because of the injustice of that. More importantly, we know your dad was wrong. My dad was very You're wrong, wrong, dad. Well, and I've been no. wrong before too. I mean, this but, is but this is he he his logic was correct. His belief in exactly. America was correct. And your dad I mean, is but, not. But, United, your dad is not Archie Bunker read for me. Your dad is no. a liberal. Oh, no. Dad is no. a liberal, but he had faith that, look, come on. There's just so much evidence this this happened. You can't possibly, you know, dodge the justice in this. You well, can't and possibly- it's interesting that this week was May 4th, which, you know, we, we talk about Star Wars and May the 4th now, but right. for many years, this is the day that we commemorate the Kent State killings. Right. And my dad was a professor at Kent State in the art yep. department at that time. He, we were We lived in Kent. On May 4th, 1970, I was a first grader in Kent, Ohio. And so, um, you know, I had to run home and my sisters who were not in school yet, mm-hmm. um, I ran home. We were told to run home uh-huh. uh, after school. We heard uh, sirens and fire trucks and there was just chaos. Um, I ran home and uh, for the first time in my life, when I got home, my mother had the door locked, her front door locked. Yeah. And she unlocked the door and let me in. I said, what's happening, mommy? And she said, I don't know. I don't know. And she just looked terrified. Yeah. And my, I will never forget my two, th- two things I saw when I walked in the house. One was my sisters were dressed in their pajamas because my mom thought we were going to have to evacuate. And so yep. she thought it would make sense to put them in their pajamas, even though it was three in the afternoon. Yeah. And she, so she put them in their pajamas and they had put blankets over two of the dining room chairs and made a house and were crawling in and out of the house. Yeah. And they were, so I was in first grade, I was six. So Marion was four and Helen was three. And the other thing I saw was on our little black and white TV, Walter Cronkite talking about Kent. Mm-hmm. And I was so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I remember a couple of days later, Kent was on the cover of Newsweek. Yeah, that photograph. And my dad got in the car. All three of us were in the back seat of the car. And of course, we didn't have any car seats or seat belts. So we we're just no. jumping all over the place. I mean, this was 1970. I assume he was chain smoking. So he was yeah. chain smoke. He, he still is at yeah. 84. <laughs> but anyway, Something. Um, yeah. yeah, he was smoking, uh, but he got out of the car and got went to into Lawson's, the, the convenience store, and got a pack of cigarettes and a copy of Newsweek and uh, showed it to us. Kent is in, in the news. And I said, Daddy, before this week, nobody knew about Kent, and now nobody will ever forget. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad looked at my mom and said, out of the mouths of babes. Yeah. You know, uh, I didn't mean to get off on that tangent, but the fact is, we can't trust, we can't just leave this to the American ideal and the American flag and have what one person called toxic optimism. Yes. That's what's been lost this week is Absolutely. optimism about we're yeah. going to, you know, rights are going to expand as we move forward in America. We, we move, it's slow and it's frustrating, but we know things are going to get better. We lost that this week. We did. And, and it's not... Um... Optim- cynicism is not the replacement for optimism. Right. Realism right. and pragmatism are pretty good substitutes once you've well, lost depression that. depression sometimes sneaks in yeah. there too. Well, that's true. That's absolutely true. <laughs> but the 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 notion that everything's fine, everything's going along, you don't need to mm-hmm. worry about very much. I'm thinking of um of Mad Men. You know, mm-hmm. The very first episode of Mad Men was 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 
Don Draper explaining the the sense of the, the, the basic basis of advertising, which is everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're doing right now, you're fine. That's what people really want to believe that mm-hmm. everything's cool. Everything's fine. Yep. I'm going to keep everything's going to keep being fine. And this is the same party that took away the gut of the Voting Rights Act. Right. And this is the same party that told us corporations have infinite rights, more rights than you know, flesh and blood human beings, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And have been telling us for decades, we're coming after Roe, we're coming after Roe, we're stacking the courts, we have a federalist system, we're coming after Roe. Courts are actually important. They make decisions. You know, politicians come and go, but the court is forever. And some people- And convince uh, their voters to vote that way. Yeah. Because it's, you know- Strategically. Yeah. Because of little babies. Because of the little babies. Yeah. And, you know, and, yeah. and that's the part that is most um, noteworthy. First of all, this is one of those weeks where you really will remember where you were. Yep. Yep. Um, but it, that's not the only thing that happened this week. No, um, it's not. It's been a week of, of bombshells. It really well, has been another week of bombshells. Go right yeah. ahead. Let, let, let the people well, know for history. There's more tapes of McCarthy dissing Trump. Not that anyone in his party cares. No, they don't. But when it comes down to being speaker, he's not going to get there because right. of his lack of loyalty to Donald Trump. Right. Uh, and then the the Madison Cawthorn stuff. And then, you know, seeing Madison Cawthorn's naked butt was not something I wanted to happen to me this week. No, no. Um, we had to have a family meeting about that. <laughs> no, we did not. No, we didn't. No. no. But uh, as, as a, another person on Twitter pointed out, you know, the important thing about the Madison Cawthorn story is Jenny Thomas tried to overturn a free and fair election. That's yeah. what's important about That's that. The, really? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's yes. the important part of that. Jenny Thomas tried the wife of a Supreme Court justice mm-hmm. participated in a seditious conspiracy to destroy democracy. Yeah. And that yeah. that story has gone away. We're not going to let um, that go away. No. But but and it got so bad this week that Mitch McConnell had to drop any pretense of being anything other than the boss of the media. Right. Right. You know, he got asked a point blank question that he didn't want to talk about the contents of the leak. Or the contents of the decision, or mm-hmm. the fact that Sam Alito went way out of his way not just to write a decision, but to write a fuck you d- decision. Fuck you, mm-hmm. liberals. We're coming for you. You got nothing left. We win. You lose. Hey, I'm going to quote uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in this decision. So fuck you. It was a mean, vicious, in your face tip. These are the conservatives and Republicans I know. Mm-hmm. These are the ones who live in the real world. This is the kind of vindictive, petty, um, lunatic, let's just screw the liberals every way we can approach. And that came through loud and clear in the leak. And so Mitch McConnell had to tell reporters this week what the real story was mm-hmm. explicitly. You know, basically, do not talk about that. The real story is the leak. And the the talking points went out across the uh, the right-wing ecosystem. The entire party, the entire Senate. It's the leak. It's the leak. It's the Everyone. leak. It's Hunter Biden's laptop. It's the leak. It's Hunter Biden's laptop. Yep. And um, yep. one one opinion that came to me through one of the podcasts I listened to, and I'll only mention this very briefly, is uh, we were chided on one of our allies' podcasts that the problem, one of the problems, is Democrats took their majorities for granted. You know, <laughs> we we should have during some golden era when we had a Democratic president and, and super majorities majority. in, yeah. in both houses, which, which never happened. Time, Yes. Well, the, ha- the last time it happened was during Johnson's administration. I was going to say, 68? Yeah. yeah. After and, 68, that was not case anymore. And you right. know when Roe was passed? 72, 73. 
So, but, but because they don't bother with facts a lot and they just want to find a way to make it about both sides, Democrats really don't, they should have, they should have encoded this. They should have made this the law a long time ago, enacted it into law to which I say, fuck you. We thought it was. We exactly. thought this was the law. Movie Wade, all of the Supreme Court nominees told us it was settled precedent. It's the law of the land. Like voting rights is the law of the land until no. your party came along and said, ha, fuck you. We were lying the whole time. Yep. And the system, which is supposed to kick in and punish people who like lie under oath to get a job on the Supreme Court or lie to the American public or take shit away. The system just sort of sat there going, well, what do we do? I mean, the system is composed about half of the people who want to destroy the system. So maybe the system ain't working as good as it should. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, the one thing no one who's listened to this podcast before needs to be reminded of is how we got here. Right. So this week, no history lessons. We all know how we got here. The question for me is why are we stuck here? And what do we do to get out of here? And a big part of the reason we're stuck here are headlines like these two from major American newspapers. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from the New York Times this week. This week, um, quote, leak highlights the perception of a politicized Supreme Court. Oh, oh, no. now. yeah. Somebody sat down and said, nope, nope. Here's here's the 50 things that would be more honest than this. Can't we find some that won't offend anyone? A nice above it all passive voice mention of this catastrophe that Republicans have unleashed on us. Even some harsh critics of Roe versus Wade see a court that reflects and amplifies the nation's political divides. Yes, as long as you, the next sentence is the division between the fascists and the not fascists, that'd be a great story, but it's, that wasn't the next sentence. Um, then comes the Washington Post, I believe. Draft abortion ruling puts new spotlight on confirmation hearings. Really? Really. The draft abortion ruling highlights a big gap between what some Supreme Court nominees tell the Senate and what they do as justices. You mean they lied yeah, in the confirmation you mean, hearing? I think that's what you meant. Yeah. I think lying under oath. That's what you meant to say, right? I mean, yeah. there's a million other ways to say lying under oath, but they just always, they do not, they're so fucking terrified of being called liberal. And I really do think some of these people are terrified that the mob will come for them. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. if they write a headline that says Republicans are to blame, there'll be a knock at their door. There'll be people outside with pitchforks and torches who will drag them into the night. And if, yeah. you've, if you've seen some of these Beltway reporters, they're not exactly profiles in courage. Nope. They they stash a, a lot of quotes away for the book they're going to write in two years. Um, Honestly. But they, they're not exactly, you know, they're not exactly jetting into Ukraine to talk about the front lines. They like sitting at the White House Correspondents' Dinner mm-hmm. and laughing and joking and getting drunk. But they're not exactly um, heroes of democracy. And they, do, they don't seem to be at all interested in defending the system that makes their profession possible. And that's what brings us to the subject of mourning. Yeah, because I am not going to engage in toxic positivity here. No. This no. is a tragedy. What happened this week to women, what was taken away from women was not just their right to bodily autonomy and economic destiny, the determining their own economic <laughs> destiny. Our sense of optimism about our country is gone. Yes, and that's all of that is just a humongous loss. And we the, the sad part for us is we have to process that and at the same time gear up for battle. Right. Which is. And I, I told you last night, you said, Fran, how are you really feeling? 
Yeah. And I told you, I, I'm in mourning. And at the same time, I'm putting my armor on and I'm, I'm excited in the sense of having a whole lot of adrenaline in my system. There's an excitement in my system that is rage and gearing up to fight. Mm -hmm. You saw that with Elizabeth Warren this week. Yes, you did. Um, that was not an just shaking rage. Uh huh. And and so when I say I'm excited, I'm not. That's not a good thing. That's me saying I'm. I'm. I know what I'm riding into is going to be bloody and going to you know not physically bloody, but we're in. We're in for a battle. Yes, and I'm are. ready. I'm ready to electorally bash some heads in. If that doesn't work, I don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not going to think about that right now. No. Because the next step is to crush these guys in November. And I mean crush them. And I, I think there is, you know, part of the job of crushing these people in November mm -hmm. um, and continuing to, to wipe them off the electoral map. Right. Which I realize is the work of a generation. I mean, we, we used oh, to say during the Bush several administration. Several generations, yeah. It's going to take a generation to fix all the crap Bush fucked up. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, and so add another generation onto that. It's going to take a generation and a half to dig us out of this hole. That's that's the way things are. I don't. I wish, there's a lot of things in the world I wish were otherwise, and they're just not. And dwelling on that doesn't really do me any good or my peace of mind any good. But one of the things that we should focus on is we get a lot of, shit from people who call themselves our allies that we don't mm -hmm. lean hard enough into the Joe Manchin world. And I want to know from all of our allies, which democratic candidates are they going to support? Yeah. Which swing states and swing districts are they going to support? Are they going to pledge their, their lives, their fortunes and their sacred honor? Cause I hear a no, whole lot of talk. They're not. I, I hear a whole lot of talk about the democracy hanging by a thread and how it's all very terrible and how we all and need to sacrifice. And then blaming Democrats. And then blaming Democrats. And then blaming Democrats. Yeah. And I want to hear yeah. which of the Democrats, because there's no, this is a straight up fucking binary choice. I know you don't like to hear that. I know you want there to be a third, fourth, fifth party. I know you, this, all of that stuff is not going to happen right now. Mm -hmm. So stop wishing for shit that isn't going to happen right now. Focus on what you can do where you're at right now. And where you're at right now is there's a binary choice between a fascist party that has made itself very clear that its goal is to shove women right back into their Old Testament biblically dictated roles of brood mares, mm -hmm. preparers of meals, and you sit down and shut up and, and you're not heard in temple. And the extent to which I you know, somewhat object to Charlie Sykes injecting himself into our podcast this week. Uh -huh. I can promise you that no feminist is injecting herself into Charlie Sykes's podcast of this week. Of course not. They're not allowed. So, They're you know, allowed. never. And I, and, and I, I just want to, I don't want to make it about Mr. Sykes specifically. I just want to make sure that we're very clear that the only way to avoid disaster is to vote Democrats into office. And if you ever hear an ally of ours, who who complains bitterly about how Democrats are, are too too harsh and there's too many purity tests. No, no, no. Are you working right now to get Democrats elected? And are you are you doing it effectively? Are you actually not, doing it effectively? I don't have time for you. Right. We don't Fuck have you. time for anything else. And no. and I will say I am with Ellie Mistal as well that Biden needs to and you've had this idea before too. 
Biden needs to open up military bases and say there will be abortions on military right. bases. Right. This is federal if you land. Protest. You have three a three mile border around the military base, and you can right. have your little signs up to say you you don't like it. But yeah. we're going to have abortions available on military bases across the country for free everywhere. For free. Period. On demand. No and, questions and asked. Fuck you if you don't like it. If you don't like right. it, take it up with the man with the machine gun at the front gate. Right. Exactly. Or the woman. Frankly, I'd put yeah. I'd put women on guard on those on those right. bases, and I'd, I'd make sure. And I'd like to have a conversation about maybe cutting off uh, aid to Israel. Yep. Um, where you know <laughs> abortions our, happen on demand. Yes. And our tax money goes to support that. So I'd very yeah. much like to hear from our Christian conservative friends about what they plan to do about cutting off all aid to Israel until Israel bans all abortions, because that's more important than anything else in the whole world. Well, even Jesus as, coming again. as many Jews have pointed out this week, saving the life of the mother is part of Jewish law. It and abortions is. are required in those cases. Yes, so this are. is a freedom of religion issue as well. Driftglass, do you know what the so much and so often the Handmaid's Tale is brought up in these situations? Uh-huh. It's it's a real trope in our conversations. It is. Do you know what the lesson of the Handmaid's Tale is? I I want to bring this up because to me the book is everything, and the TV yeah. show and the movies and all of that is much less important. Margaret Atwood is someone who I've always kind of semi-joked, I'd never commit suicide because Margaret Atwood is writing another book right now and I'll right. miss it if mm-hmm. I if I don't uh if I'm not around to see that. But um what's you know, the lesson? I think it's the um uh winter is coming, right? No, it's not winter is coming, honey. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's the forces the force be with you, right? No. No. <laughs> oh. Okay. No, the ha- the Handmaid's Tale, the the less, and this is what I love about Margaret Atwood is she reminds me of my mom, in that uh, my mother's paintings were once described as a giggle in the middle of a nightmare. And one thing about Margaret Atwood's writing is so many reviewers and fans and people that talk about her books neglect to mention that she's funny. She's funny. She's very. She's funny, funny. and yeah. she has things in her books that are hysterical. Yep. Right in the middle of something that's really, really bad. She'll have a, just a little flash of, oh, and by the way, ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. And what she has in The Handmaid's Tale that's really a critical part of the plot is a closet. And in the closet, a prior handmaid who lived in that room has scratched on the wood. I'm sure I'm not spoiling this for anybody. Has scratched on the baseboard. Nolite te bastardes carborundorum. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Don't yeah. let the bastards grind you down. Yes. In the middle of everything horrible that's happening and the suicides and the the brutality and the, and the rapes and the forced yeah. birth and on and on and on. And, and, and the, and, the ecological devastation that is part of this society. Yeah. Well, and, and also the fact that the women in the book remember a time when this wasn't happening. All of them do. All of yes. this was taken. This they weren't born into this. This was taken right. away from them. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Don't let the bastards get you down. Yeah. And that's the armor that I am putting on. Yeah. For this fight. Well, um, and I did want to mention uh, two very different podcasting experiences I had this week. Okay. One is very short, and you can go read it at my blog if you want. It's this week in liberals made me do it. Charlie Sykes. <laughs> Liberals made me do it. Liberals made me do it. Charlie Sykes (laughs) does this every few months. It's like, you know what? 
the reason the Republican Party is racist has a lot to do with the fact liberals kept calling us racist. So finally, we just yeah. said, fuck, fuck it, we're going to be racist. Yeah. Yeah, and, fuck him. and it's not one thing. It's he, he keeps repeating it over and over again as a theme. But now that he's got to live in the both sides do it ecosystem, he has to say, yeah, but also I got to say conservatives were pretty cool with racists. And, and he, he to try to exist in the universe where he used to be a hate radio jock for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Now he's got to live in the both sides do it universe. So now his the second half of his thesis negates the first half of his thesis. The joke I end my post with is, you know what you call two Klansmen and two uh, sensible conservatives sitting around a table plotting to seize power? You call them four Klansmen. You were cool with this. You encouraged it. You flattered them. You allowed them into your party. You ignored them when they got too much. You didn't say a word. You didn't talk. And in his post, he even quotes people who said, I, I chose peace over principle. So, yeah, you you weren't racist. You were racist adjacent. You were racist tolerant. You were racist roll the red carpet out because you knew without the racists and the other assholes, you couldn't win elections. And that's something that they don't want to acknowledge. They, yeah. That's why they're desperate to make this about both sides, all sides, uh, anything but voting for a Democrat. And you notice how there's nothing in the media about misogyny at no. all? No, this no, is, no. There's n- that doesn't exist in Washington, D.C. You don't talk about it. It's just not a thing. This is about uh, the founding fathers and what the founding fathers believed yeah, in principle. Yeah. Blah blah blah. And, Let's and talk people, about some good Democratic governors, Drift Glass. Well, I do want to mention one other thing that Norm Ornstein, um, uh-huh. Norm Ornstein, went on Joe Walsh's podcast and three cheers for Norm Ornstein because Joe Walsh really tried a couple of times to steer it into places and Norm Ornstein used his opportunity to say, "No, Joe." There is no chance in hell there will ever be an independent centrist third party happening anytime soon. And no, Joe, this is not the fault of both sides. And he brought, fa- he brought facts and figures and stats and the fact that there's no such thing as independence. You know, people say they are, but here are all these studies and here are the facts. And you know what? There just aren't They're any not. centrists. There aren't. And, and he did, the, he, but he did it the right way. He, I mean, he was polite and he was, he was um, gracious, mm-hmm. but he didn't let Joe steer him into nodding an agreement with the host because he's this is his house. He said he basically said, No, I'm you're wrong. There yeah. your premises are just wrong. And that okay. And he backed away. But when you get the chance to do that, be like normal, be like Rick Perlstein. Mm-hmm. When people yeah. offer you the chance to give them your opinion, give it to them good and hard. Yeah. And give it to them politely, but make it very clear that no, you're just wrong. And I gotta give Norm Ornstein, who's we've mentioned on this podcast many times, uh Big ups for for doing that. Now let's talk about some Democratic governors, shall we? Well, yeah. The governors of New Jersey, Connecticut, California, um, blue state governors have found a voice and shouted out. Yes, they have. No fucking way are we going to let this affect rights in our states. Mm -hmm. And we got to do a major shout out to our own governor. Hell yeah. One of the best uh, who was on Don Lemon's show that night. To say, oh, hell no. Mm -hmm. And continually brought up that this is about women. And I'm I'm just so grateful that, look, women have a right to bodily autonomy and determining their economic destiny, period. So uh, and and shout out to Dick Durbin for kicking a little ass, too, because he went before those same reporters that Mitch McConnell was talking to. He did. And said, do you believe him? Do you believe him that the story is about the leak? Do you believe him? And put it on them to not just be stenographers, but to come down with, this is not the story. What's the story here? 
is that the rights of women are being demolished by according a court to, that lied to get there. According to plan, you have justices yep. who clearly committed, repeatedly committed perjury. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't like, you know, some cop officers who got caught. Officers of the court committing perjury. Who, How officers does that of the work? court commit, committing perjury to, to get on the highest court in the land. Yeah. Who, who got there by lying. And, and all the assholes who said, well, they've learned their lesson. I believe them now. Susan Collins believes Brett Kavanaugh when he says that. And then no doubt she's very disappointed. And I hope voters in her state are disappointed enough to throw her ass out of office the next time she comes up for election. Seriously, but I doubt it. Because she's incompetent. I don't think she's incompetent. I think she's um, she she's a soft-spoken evil person. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. either she's the stupidest creature God ever made. Yeah. Or she knows, she fucking well knows better. Yeah. But, um, and here's a direct quote from our governor today on the Twitter. If you think the Republicans who engineered the Supreme Court's reversal of Roe versus Wade are going to stop here, let me tell you otherwise. This is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. Illinois is ready to fight back. We'll always stand up for your rights. Fuck yeah. Now, we're not saying everybody has to move here, but it's a nice state. You might enjoy it here. Now, Drift Class, we have recorded so many times and started this recording so many times. I don't even know what we've talked about on this recording. <laughs> Well, I'd like you to talk about the relationship between Build Back Better and Roe versus Wade. We haven't talked about that on this recording yet? Nope, not yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad to know that because I did want to mention that there is a direct connection between the end of Roe and Washington's dismissive railroading of the Build Back Better bill. Remember mm-hmm. how it was going to be two bills and there was a yeah. compromise? It's going to be two bills. We're going to have the Build Back Better bill. And we're going to have the bipartisan infrastructure bill. They're going to be passed at the same time. Joe Biden promised two bills, two at the same time. They're going to go through. And uh, the Build Back Better bill is primarily for the benefit of women. Mm -hmm. It is about long-term care. It is about daycare and child care and health care for women and making sure that moms have uh, their child care tax credit sent to them every month. Those are the things that Build Back Better is about. And so the plan was two bills. Uh-huh. And what happened was a dismissive railroading, primarily by Joe Manchin, mm-hmm. and a panicked Democratic Party after the Virginia governor's race that we've got to have a win right now. Right. So we're going to pass one bill, and it's not going to be yours, ladies. Sorry. 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 And it is about white male conservatives and a Washington power structure. I'm sorry, Joe Biden. I love you, but you fucked up on this one. Yep. You really white did. Malehood, not willing to go to the mattresses about economic security for women. What we've got to do is elect more women, uh, democratic, pro choice women. I swear. Who and, won't and, fuck around like this. And, and let's be very clear. The mythology that has been invented about what mm-hmm. really happened there. Yeah. About the squad and about liberals and craziness. Yes. And the crazy and, and the problem with Joe Biden is he won't hold his left responsible. He won't the stomp on those ladies. The left flank is out of control. They're right. hysterical ladies. Control your women, Joe Biden. Yeah. Right. And that's right. that's the message. It's, it's those yeah. crazy lefties. And if you just went through the TikTok of it, I mean, a lot of things went wrong and a lot of things dragged on for too long. But if you look at the people involved in the negotiations, who were the reasonable ones who mm-hmm. said, look, here's our initial ask. And Joe, Joe Manchin says, no, we'll cut it in half. No. Okay, we'll cut it in half again. 
And Joe Joe Manchin says, I, I don't like that. Well, okay, tell us what you would like. Negotiating bad faith is what he was doing. And, and and every at every step along the way, the the progressives were the reasonable ones. The progressives were the ones like, tell us what you'll do, tell us what you'll support. We're willing to negotiate within certain frameworks. There are certain things we think are really important. We're going to fight for those. But you know, if you got to get a little bit now or a lot later or cut back here, move there, we're willing to negotiate in good faith, just like you promised you were, Joe Manchin. Yeah. And every yeah. step along the way, Joe Manchin just laughed his ass off, fucked him over, got what he wanted, mm-hmm. which is an infrastructure bill for his shitty state, and then walked away and said, nah, forget it. Screw y'all. And because it is congenitally impossible for the Beltway media and a lot of our allies to say the problem in this case was the fucking centrists. The problem in this case were the go-along, get-along compromisers because the people who were really good at this and really reasonable and really thoughtful and had a good argument every time they opened their mouth were the progressives. The bad actors, the liars, the backstabbers, that was Joe fucking Manchin. But we can't call Joe Manchin the problem because that upends our whole thing about both sides being bad and their holy center being the place you want to be. And it galls me that mythology is, is now in granite. That it was the crazy left that ruined everything. Um, and I want to say one more thing, and I'll never say this again. J.D. Vance was right. <laughs> J.D. Vance was right? J.D. Vance was dead right. Uh, if you look at the Ohio primary that took place this week, the top two vote-getters were who? J.D. Vance and Josh Mandel. Who between them? J.D. Mandel, right? The J.D. Manson. Barbara the, Mandrell? Wait the, a minute. Barbara Mandrell? What? what? The, the manatee from Florida? I'm pretty sure oh, that's- Oh, yeah, that's it. Um, they're both awful garbage fascist people. Garbage people, yes. Uh-huh. And between them, they got more than 56% of the total vote in the primaries. In the Republican primary. 56% of the vote went to two fascist garbage people. Which and, tells and me. The oppo research on J.D. Vance is just beginning. Well, he's yeah. got connections to the Sacklers. Sure. And it's going to come out and it's sure going it to be ugly. But here's what J.D. Vance got right. And this is what we on the left have been telling you all along. Mm -hmm. The problem with the Republican Party is it's full of Republicans. (laughs) Republicans. J.D. Vance was, you know, in 2016, Donald Trump was toxic and he's a monster. He's a traitor. He's he's the American Hitler. And then J.D. Vance realized, oh, this is where the mob is. Oh, I will now wallow in my own shit, reverse myself completely, become the biggest Trumper out there, suck that man's dick as much as I have to to get his endorsement. And Mm -hmm. I'll win. And you know what? Mm -hmm. It worked. And he did. It worked. And J.D. Vance and Donald Trump and, frankly, every liberal understands the Republican base far better than any of the experts who keep acting shocked every time they they yank away a right. It's the easiest grift on earth, apparently. Because because going back to what we talked about at the top of this podcast – they are committed to pretending that this is still a stable democracy, stable enough that no one has to worry about too much. And they're willing to compl- – which means they're always surprised when it isn't. Yeah. And they yeah, never fucking true. learn. They never yeah. learn. Because if they learn, they'd end up being you know, Democrats and liberals, and they can't have that. So they keep acting shocked every time Republicans act exactly the way liberals told you they are going to act. And now I'll get off my soapbox and we'll move on to a news roundup. Well, well – I just want to end with the 2022 midterms. It's the misogyny stupid. Yeah, it really is. And don't forget that. Let's do a news roundup, your class. Yes. 
Uh, a very sad statistic and one that was coming all along. The U.S. has now surpassed 1 million COVID-19 deaths. Uh, this is 27 months after the country's first confirmed coronavirus case. And if your family is one of those losses, yeah. uh, our, our deepest sympathy. Uh, I lost a basically a sister-in-law to COVID very early yeah. on in the pandemic. Yeah. And so I know how her father grieves. And it's mm -hmm. not that grief is not over and can't be resolved. No. Um, and, and so just... my condolences to you if you've lost someone to COVID. And, and death is the worst possible outcome, but long COVID and people who are, have heart problems and lung yeah. problems for the rest of their lives. Well, we have casualties. a listener who has, is dealing with long COVID. I won't go into any yeah. details. I've talked with him about it. It is horrible. Yeah. I wish him well and wish him healing. Uh, it's, it's awful, awful disease. The Supreme Court voted to strike down Roe v. Wade according to a leaked draft opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito. While the draft could change before it's finalized, the document was circulated among the justices in February. And at least five justices, including all three of Trump's nominees, voted to overturn Roe, which established a constitutional right to abortion 49 years ago. This document, by the way, is just the meanest shit. Yeah. yeah. Alita writes that Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Yeah. It's just something he did not say in his confirmation hearing. He also cites something about from Clarence Thomas in one of the footnotes about eugenics and black children, you know, and it's like, I'm not saying all liberals are Nazis, but I'm kind of saying all liberals are Nazis. And it's just, it's full of shit like that. Chief Justice John Roberts confirmed the authenticity of the draft opinion to overturn Roe and said that the document is not final. They've also called for an investigation into the leak, Drip Glass. Oh, got to investigate that leak. Uh, Joe Biden came out swinging this week, blasting the radical Supreme Court draft opinion, saying other rights, including same-sex marriage and access to birth control, are in question if the leaked document becomes the decision of the court. Chuck and, Schumer uh, said the Senate will vote to codify the right to abortion into federal law, saying this is not an abstract exercise. This is as urgent and as real as it <clears> gets. Every American is going to see which side on which side every senator stands. Any such vote, however, would be largely symbolic as Democrats lack the 60-vote supermajority needed to pass Roe legislation in the Senate. Democrats also lack the support to eliminate the filibuster rules thanks to Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin, who have rejected efforts to drop or alter the filibuster in this case. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma's Republican Governor Kevin Stitt signed a Texas-style abortion ban into law this week, which prohibits abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy and allows private citizens to sue abortion providers to enforce the law. The Oklahoma Heartbeat Act takes effect immediately and prohibits abortions once cardiac activity can be detected in an embryo, which can be as early as six weeks into a pregnancy before many women even know that they are pregnant. And any anti-choice entity talking about heartbeats really grinds my grain. I'm telling you, yeah. uh, my mother uh, carried to term an anencephalic fetus. That meant that this fetus had zero brain, but mm -hmm. it did have a brain stem, which meant it had a heartbeat. Yep. And yep. Uh, this fetus was blind, deaf, couldn't swallow, couldn't feel its own skin, mm -hmm. uh, and died, died at birth was was considered terminal at birth. Mm -hmm. My mother get, 
unlike the rest of us, because she knew something was wrong at this pregnancy and she wanted this child, uh, she went to a Catholic hospital. Uh-huh. She didn't take, she didn't go to a Catholic hospital. She's not Catholic. She didn't go to a Catholic hospital for any of us, but she went for this child because she knew they would make an effort to preserve this child's life. But there was no life to preserve because this child was terminal at, was judged terminal at birth because of the deformities of the fetus. Mm-hmm. But the fetus had a heartbeat. Right. And so all these, oh, it stops a beating heart. You know nothing about human biology. It is possible to have a beating heart and be dying. Mm-hmm. There are lots of people who die who have a beating heart. And what is worse and what could have happened to my mom and happened twice already in Poland when they made no exceptions for abortion, when the, the Catholic fascists took over in Poland, is fetal demise, where the child or the fetus dies before birth. Mm-hmm. And the, the mother is faced with sepsis with actual poisoning from within her own body because she has a dead being inside of her. I'm sorry to be so graphic, folks, but really the biology of this is ugly. And if you don't, if you haven't faced it, or if your mom, if your mom hasn't faced it and her mental and emotional health fucking destroyed by it. I lost my mom. For years, because she had a mental breakdown over this. And because it was 1968 and abortion was illegal in Ohio, her do- if it had been later, if it had been 1974, her doctor would have told her to mm-hmm. have an abortion because it was endangering her health to carry that child. Mm-hmm. She was a she was a good housewife and a mom and loved having babies and was everything that the religious right says women should be. Mm-hmm. She sacrificed her career to be a mom. Everything that Michelle Bachman and all these, I'm not going to say C word because I'm better than that. Bitches, cold, evil, mean bitches want women to be. My mom was. Mm-hmm. She wanted kids. She wanted a fourth child. She was willing to have a fourth child be brought into this world. She was willing to sacrifice her health to have one. Mm-hmm. She went to a Catholic hospital to try to save it. Sorry to get emotional, but this is very emotional. Happy and, Mother's Day, Mom. <laughs> yeah. And what she needed was a choice. What she needed was freedom over her own medical decisions. Because exactly. this was a medical decision that exactly. she had to make. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to make this more palatable by bringing in these particular situations. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It's her fucking body. Mm -hmm. It's her decision. It's between herself, her doctor, and her God. That's it. So, man, I'm just, when I hear heartbeat bullshit, I just lose it. Because my sister had a heartbeat. And she died. And it's ugly it's sad it's tragic these things happen mm-hmm. medical problems in pregnancy happen Mis- miscarriages happen and when a woman has a miscarriage it's a tragedy and they don't deserve to go to jail for it because some white evangelical asshole has a sense of his own glory about sentimentality of babies be- meaning he's saved mm-hmm. and then when it comes down to 
you know, this asshole in Colorado who was pro-life in all cases. And then it shot up. He, he beat his pregnant wife. And what does he retreat to? Well, I'm not perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. And Jesus is going to say, fuck you when you when you face him in my in my theology. I hope Jesus looks you right in the face that I don't even know who you are. Mm-hmm. I know where you're Let supposed to go, Let me speak to, go, to you Christian to Christian, buddy. Mm-hmm. Jesus is going to look at you and say, go to hell. I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. Fuck you. I'm Jesus. You. Don't, I don't even know you. Come back when you have a heart. Well, I'm going to take uh, the next item, Blue Gal. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to get a tissue. <laughs> I'm going to say that 26 states have laws aimed to limit abortion access if Roe versus Wade is overturned or weakened, including nine with pre-Roe bans. And 13 states with trigger bans in place, meaning abortion will be banned if Roe's overturned. By contrast, 16 states in the District of Columbia have policies that explicitly protect the right to abortion. Whether we make it explicit or not, the economies of those states that deny women economic justice and economic determination of their own futures yeah. are going to suffer tremendously economically because well, of this. I- they're going to lose population, but they're going to have two senators no matter what you do. Well, that's the other problem. That's Absolutely. the problem. That's a different podcast for a different day. <laughs> a different podcast for a different day. Meanwhile, the National Republican Senatorial Committee circulated a three-page memo of talking points urging GOP candidates to be on the compassionate consensus builder on abortion and attack Democrats for their extreme and radical views. Yeah, because compassion consensus nice try. building. Why don't you try that? And see where it gets you. These are the uh, fuck your feelings people, right? (laughs) Yes. These are the fuck your feelings people. Yeah. Please. What they're saying is, please keep the monster in the basement till the midterms are over. Dude, the monster is run amok. The monster runs your party and you can just pack up and leave if you think this is going to work. And the volcano has exploded. (laughs) It has. Yes. Yeah. The pyroclastic flow has already swept through the village. You know, yep. this is, it's already a fact. You, you are these people now. So quit. I know there's still five reporters working for Politico who are willing to report your stupid fig, fig leaf talking points as news. Um, yep. But we're not going to do it. We know you're liars and we know you're the bad guys and we know but we're at war with you. Axios is hiring. Yeah. That's what I hear. <laughs> I told you that this week. I'm like, and look what can, the job offer from Axios. And I can work from home, so you know. <laughs> no, yes, you. I told you that because I get job listings in media. I sure. said, "Hey, trip class, Axios is hiring." And you said, "Can I work from home?" I said, "Yes." You said, "Can I talk shit about Axios?" I said, "No." No. He <laughs> said, no. "Oh man, I was going to apply for that job." <laughs> Much like the Baker's Square drive-through window, <laughs> I, I want to work there for one day. One goddamn day. And just, you know, open the window, pop in the face. Open the window, pop in the face. I want to work for Axios for one day. Pretty much to the the head. Who hired this asshole? And let them them figure it out. He's gone now. We fired him. Oh, it was too late. Oh, speaking of hiring assholes, J.D. Vance won Ohio Senate Republican primary with 32% support after a late endorsement by Trump. Prior to Trump's endorsement, Vance was in third place in polls with about 10% support. So Donald Trump still runs the GOP. Kingmaker of the Republican Party, Donald yes, Trump. Yes, he is. Uh, how many abortions do you suppose Donald Trump has paid eight. for in his life? Yeah, eight. about eight. Yeah. According to a Department of Homeland Security's Inspector General report, Trump's acting Homeland Security Secretary, Chad Wolf, altered and delayed a critical intelligence report about Russian interference in the 
2020 election yeah. saying it would hurt Trump. Yeah, he, he borrowed Trump's That's big obstruction old... of justice, Drift Class. No, it's just editorial uh, license, Blue mm-hmm. Gal. He borrowed Donald Trump's big old uh, Sharpie and wrote in what he wanted it to say. Isn't it interesting that he's one of the people that resigned after January 6th? It was just a bridge too far, Drift Class. Yeah. And after he got that job by going up to Donald Trump, bald-headed and weeping, going, Sir, sir, you're the greatest sir. man I've ever known, sir. <laughs> uh, the Trump Organization and the Presidential Inaugural Committee agreed to pay $750,000 to settle a lawsuit claiming that they had illegally misused profits, nonprofit funds to enrich the Trump family. Like, that's a big surprise. The District of Columbia alleged, alleges that the inaugural committee coordinated with members of the Trump family to, quote, grossly overpay for event space at the Trump Hotel during his 2017 inauguration. From day one. Yeah. He's been a thief and a liar and a racist and a monster his whole fucking life. And you know what? 70 million people in this country love it because they are fascists at heart. Representative Matt Gates asked in a tweet how many of the women who oppose the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade are, quote, overeducated, underloved millennials. Matt Gates's wife has a degree in economics from the <laughs> University of California, Santa Barbara, and is currently a student in Harvard University's online business program. Since she's married to Matt Gates, I suspect the term underloved millennial is a fit also. Yeah. Overeducated and underloved is sounds like your wife there, Matt. Um, and she's your cheating wife. on you. Just just so you know. Uh, well, uh, he just loves his brother-in-law's money. That's the yeah. thing. So. Yeah, well. Just so you know, Matt, she's stepping out on you every time you turn your back. She can't stand you and wishes you were gone forever and ever. <laughs> Probably some large dicked man at your gym is railing your wife every time you're in Congress. Not saying that for sure. I'm just saying the odds allegedly. are about 90%. Allegedly. But 90% allegedly of the time. she's got a yeah. one of Marjorie Taylor Greene's sex gurus, yeah. tantric all, sex gurus, all day long. Yeah. And just saying, that's that's probably true. That's possibly rumor. Has it. rumor. I, 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 <laughs> Allegedly. I am the source of the leak on that story in case you know anyone <laughs> wants to come leak. after me. Uh, if you're wondering about the level of maturity we're dealing with from the right, and you shouldn't be at this point, the <laughs> governor of Alabama blew off President Biden's visit to the state this week because simply greeting the president and being civil is enough to make Republican voters go berserk. Newsmax host, and we all know which one it is, Stinchfield, who's an idiot, yeah, suggested that Katanji Brown Jackson is the leaker, but she's not on the Supreme Court yet. Yeah, yeah. But, but hey, she's... it's an opportunity to blame the black woman. Right. Isn't this black girl magic? No, that no. Shut up. It's not actual. Oh, never mind. Uh, a woman named Leela Cohen on Twitter, who's a random person, but I thought this was important to say, uh, said this. If it was about babies, we'd have excellent and free universal maternal care. You wouldn't be charged a cent to give birth, no matter how complicated your delivery was. If it was about the babies, we'd have months and months of parental leave for everyone. Clearly, and, it is not about the babies. It's and I replied to that and said, it's about Republican Party cynically capitalizing on a group of weak-minded voters who think their sentimentality about babies is proof of salvation. Yeah. Yeah. A federal judge allowed the January 6th committee to obtain the Republican National Committee's marketing email data leading up to the insurrection. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And in local news, uh, this is from alert listener Steve, who will be seeing in person pretty soon, actually. 
Uh, this is via the Bloomington Normal Pantograph. If Roe falls, Illinois abortion providers plan for 20 to 30,000 more patients a year. 20 to 30,000 more people per year will be coming into Illinois looking for basic medical care and their rights. And we welcome them. Each week, we post to our Facebook page and website an Internet Kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's Internet Kitty is Ruby. Ruby is a California kitty and comes to us via Twitter. She's a truly lovely cat. And of course, Ruby eats freshly poured cat food, our fake sponsor. Whether you serve pet store perfection or dollar store dreck, your cats will sit on the kitchen floor and demand that the food they eat is only freshly poured. Freshly poured, freshly poured. Oh my Lord, it's freshly poured. And you can visit Ruby at our Facebook page or website. And you can send your internet kitty dog or other pet to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, or you can also write to both of us. Feel free to write us. We love hearing from you. Be aware that if you write to us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service, go Postal Unions, letter on the air, unless you say otherwise, hashtag fire to joy. We have a letter that is a USPS letter. Uh, we received in the mail this week from CB. Initial CB wrote us and said, Dear DGBG, thank you for all you do. Just want to thank and say the war against neutrality is deadly for some. Boy, did I get a reminder. Three weeks ago, I found out I have a trans son, and it's been a big adjustment for everyone. It's nice to know just how stark the stakes are and take a hard look at who are really in the trenches with you. I'm so glad to hear that you're doing well. Know that my family will be just fine. We have great insurance, counseling, and trans youth groups in our state. And we can imagine the kind of governor you must have in that state as well. Yeah. It means so much to have the sanity and truth out there, CB. Thank you, CB, for writing to us. We yeah. uh, wish many, many blessings on your family. Don't forget our gourmet coffee guideline. If you can afford to buy an espresso-based beverage for yourself, buy one for us. This is not charity. This is our job. And we're very grateful to you for your support. We are almost 75% done with my hearing aid fundraiser. Thank Yay. you so much for your support on that GoFundMe. Yeah. Uh, there is a button at our website, proleftpod.com, uh, for the GoFundMe. And uh, if you can contribute to that, we really appreciate it. Approximately 1% of our listeners support this podcast with a contribution, and you can too. See our website, proleftpod.com, for details. Both our PayPal and postal address information is there at proleftpod.com. Please share our show on social media, and thank you so much for doing that. If you love this podcast, please get someone else to listen to. Hey, Drift Class, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, Blue Gal, the Internet Kitties want to wish everyone a happy National Mental Health Month. Is it National Mental Health Month? Yes, it is. Hey, let's think about living. Think about living. Let's think about loving. Think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the popping and the loving, loving, loving. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow and the switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. Professional Left Podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2022, DGBG Productions Incorporated.